This show is brought to you by the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, the only app you need to dominate fantasy football and become your own expert. In this app is fantasy player cards with every single fantasy viable stat, fantasy player grades, usage charts, start sit tools, who to draft tools, player comps, podcasts, consistency charts, game logs, coaching tendencies, articles, rankings, waivers, and every stat and advanced stat you need, including stats you can only find at Brodo Fantasy that are proven winning stats, including true throw value, true target value, true performance value, adjusted air yards, and true matchup ranking. All this and more is available right now for free. All you have to do is go to anywhere you download apps and type in Fantasy Football by Brodo, and you just download it and become your own expert. Dominate your fantasy leagues with the only tool you need today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com and the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, the only tool you need to dominate fantasy football. That's it. It's over. The regular season has concluded in most leagues. In some leagues, of course, the regular season. And for some leagues are in the playoffs already, but it, for the most part, in most leagues, the regular season is over. It has passed. It is gone. It is history. And now it is playoff time. And if you are listening right now, that means you are in the playoffs. And that means we are here for you more than ever. And this is more important than ever. And that's why I'm here, your boy, Tim, with the fantasy encyclopedia himself, Mr. Matt Ward. What's good, bro? How's it going? Good shout out to the people. Happy to be here, man. Playoff time. Let's get it. Yeah, man. So right now, for so, so I also want to say uh, shout out to Michael. He's super sick, man. This guy, this guy, Michael is sick as hell. So he is um, not going to be joining us today. But he sends his regards and he wants us to uh, show off on his account. <laughs> so we'll be showing off on his account because that. he had a good he, the picks that he gave us like almost all of them hit. So he had it. I think all, all of them hit. So he had a great week. Uh, we had a we had a good week again. I hope you guys had a good week. I hope that you are in the playoffs. Uh, I don't want to count my chickens. I'm one of those superstitious guys, and there's a game going on right now. And the first piece of news is going to lead off with what happened in that game. But there's a game going on right now, uh, the Monday night game. I don't want to count my chickens, but looking good. That's all I got to say for me. And I hope it's looking good for everybody else. Matt, how you looking? I mean, the news that I think we should just hop right into is pretty devastating. And, Oof, and Kyler yeah. Murray is down out with a non-contact knee injury and was carted off the field. He will not return. That is sad. That's like the first thing you said, too, man. This, that's, uh, this hard yeah, man, I'm I'm brokenhearted about it. Uh, let's listen to Donnie H. Maybe he'll get you a little bit more hyped up, but I don't even know if Donnie H. can, can save this one. Those stories and more in just two minutes. Stay with us. Thanks for joining us this half hour. I'm Don Harrison. Around the world in 30 minutes. This is Headline News. The man who loves Kyler Murray like Kyler Murray loves video games. Well, so what's your first? What's your first? Uh, what's your first reaction to the new? Because I mean, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I do not have. I do not have the game on in front of me. Um, but non-contact doesn't look good. Was it? Did it look like a knee? Did it look like a hamstring? Have you seen it? I mean, they're saying knee. It didn't look like one of the inside-out pops that you see with an ACL tear where it kind of leans to the inside then pops all the way to the outside and then can't support weight. It, it did kind of seem like a hamstring, um, more so because there wasn't much uh, 
transgression of the movement that he was in. He kind of was just running and then went down um, rather than running and planting and something kind of exploding off center. Yeah, obviously, as you know, Monday is where I kind of open up the dynasty perspectives in the, the recap session more so than even the Thursday pod. But it's obviously not great, especially at this juncture in the season. Kyler had been having a quietly good season, even though it wasn't showing up in the record books, at least from a sta- uh, fantasy standpoint. He was still maintaining, you know, top six points per game. Um, but this an injury, if it is significant, hoping for the best. But if it is significant, um, it would likely keep him out obviously the rest of this season and all of next season as well. Oh my goodness. Matt, don't do that to us. Don't say, don't say that. Don't say things like this. That's the worst case scenario for sure. Man, if you're Ky- sometimes I, th- I feel like Kyler Murray, ah, this is going to be too philosophical. I shouldn't even go there, but I, I wonder if he ever wonders like, what would life be like? Had I gone the baseball route? Cause he'd probably be in the MLB at this point. Uh, uh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it was, usually it takes the two, three ninth years. overall pick. <laughs> yeah, but even then, it usually takes two, three years. It takes some guys even four or five years. Some guys six years. Like you know, you never know. But it, you know, you'd think that he would. He's on. He's on board uh, there. So I wonder if he ever thinks about that, especially with the injuries, because you know his size is one of those questions that he had coming into the season, uh, coming into this career. Excuse me. And, you know, he keeps getting hurt, and I don't think that's a... a yeah, but this a, is a non-contact injury, too, so, like, you can't really put that on size sure. for sure, but obviously it's, uh, yeah, like, certainly a concern. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> he has not held up. All right, so we have some injuries to report as well, including a, a weird injury on the... on. on so we'll, get, we'll get to it. Uh, but the first one, Mike Boone. I know he's not uh, the most fantasy-relevant player, but... Uh, Nathaniel Hackett told reporters it doesn't look good for Mike Boone to return this season because of an ankle injury. Uh, you saw Marlon Mack get a big run, uh, a big screen pass, excuse me, uh, when the Broncos were looking like they could come back. Uh, but, I, I mean, Mike Boone, out for the season. Marlon Mack maybe uh, takes a look at that role, but yeah. Um, Christian McCaffrey limited in Monday's practice report. I don't think it's anything to worry about there. The real thing to worry about is his teammate. Uh, the Athletics' Matt Burrows reports that wide receiver De- Debo Samuel has an MCL sprain and an ankle sprain. They are looking forward to him maybe being back to the playoffs. Unfortunately, for the fantasy playoffs, Debo Samuel is no longer on your roster. This is, you know, he hasn't been the greatest, but he still has been a solid contributor. This is not devastating. For Debo Samuel rosters, Debo Samuel managers, but man, uh, not ideal. And uh, Debo, it just—I would say it's pretty devastating. I mean, you're not finding that level of replacement this deep into the season on the waiver wires. That's for sure. No chance. So, I mean, you're a Brandon Ayuk guy. Uh, Christian McCaffrey also. You saw him go nuts. I'm gonna be talking about this a little later. So. Let's let's not talk about that right now. Actually, now that I think about it, because we are going to be discussing that a little <laughs> later. Uh, Matt Ryan, yeah, uh, you know what? I try my best, Matt. Uh, Matt Ryan says, "Will the Indianapolis Colts say Matt Ryan will start Week 15 against the Vikings?" I don't think there's much uh, to you know be excited about or disappointed about there. It's just news. Um, David Johnson uh, signed to the active roster. That's good for David Johnson. I just want to put this out there. David Johnson, one of my favorite fantasy players of all time, had one of the best fantasy seasons of all time. Um, the Tyreek Hill uh, dealing with bumps and bruises, but he'll be able to go. So if he didn't, if you, if he's not in the first practice report, don't get uh, too, you know, too 
you know, worried. Uh, this one is different. T. Higgins. A lot of people who are in contention had T. Higgins on their roster. And those people who had T. Higgins on their roster were not pleased. This is the second time this year that T. Higgins was okay. He was good to go. Everything's fine. He got hurt before the, the game started. No one really said anything. And then he hardly played in the game. Right now, Zach Taylor says he's day-to-day. Man, Matt, are, were you one of the victims of the T. Higgins of fiasco? Of course I am. He's my hat hanger. I have him. I might have more rostership on T. Higgins than anybody in the community, man. Um, yeah, I was a, a victim of it. And, and he played just one snap, actually. And there's like low-key rumors from the beat reporters that he wasn't even supposed to play that snap like it was like a mismanagement of the personnel and they were completely intending on activating him from the injury report last minute and then keeping him out the entire game you know just as i chestnut checkers i guess from a coaching standpoint but obviously like they don't give a hell about your fantasy lineup and it was absolutely it, it also the second time yeah so a- absolutely a devastating blow to a guy that had been putting up wide receiver 12 point per game numbers it's going to be interesting to see cuz these soft tissue injuries man like we've been saying all year they linger they're they linger um Marcus Mariota has been placed on injured reserve this is going to end his season. So he goes from starting quarterback to bye week to out for the entire season. No more Marcus Mariota on the field. And you got to think that this is the end of Marcus Mariota's starting career. He probably has a good career ahead of him as a backup or like how he, like the role he had with the Raiders last year. He probably has a good career and doing something like that. But this is probably the end of his starting days. And he gives way to Desmond Ritter, which I think, Matt, you're going to talk about a little later, right? Yeah, a little bit. All right, so let's get into the next piece of news. Damian Pierce, Texans head coach Lovey Smith said he's unsure of the status for Damian Pierce heading into week 15. He left the game. Rex Burkhead got the, the carries late. Matt, I have a question. So there was a big fight in the fantasy community during the offseason. Damian Pierce, is he someone to draft in like the fourth, fifth round, or was he not? We were on the not side. He had a pretty yes. good start of the season. but Very much has- on the not side. Yes, but has fallen off. Would you say that a pick in the fifth round was worth it for Damian Pierce at this point? Absolutely not. I did not say that. Because he's going to yeah, he's go going to finish below his ADP. And he'll finish probably below his ADP in points per game considering the drastic drop-off that he's finished. Like, we're talking about a guy that's about to be maybe RB28, 24 to 28 overall, and RB22 in points per game. Oof. Uh, Mike White, Coach Robert Sala, says he's day-to-day with a rib injury. Uh, They go against the Lions next week, so they'll need Mike White to get back if they want to score points. Joe Flacco looks like he's completely done. Uh, And, you know, Zach Wilson was inactive, which was interesting because if something like this happens, then you wonder why that's the case. Uh, But Mike White should be day-to-day. Got one of the nastiest hits of all time. Like, he looked like he got Goldberg speared. Like, remember Goldberg from WCW? Yes, of course. Like, oh, he looked like he should have uh, the a guy completely who, clean hit, though. You have to preface oh, yeah. that. It's 100%. exactly what the NFL wants guys to do. 400%. Matt Milano should have got up yeah. and done like the, the Goldberg, like with when he puts his, his hands oh. in the air and goes, <laughs> he should have just done that. All right. Uh, Carson Wentz, uh, he was activated. So, something to pay attention to. I don't think that means that he's necessarily going to start because they said even that Taylor Henneke will start. But with that being said, if he does 
get some playing time. If Haneke's play does fall off, then Carson Wentz might get back on the field. And that's important to note, not because you're going to start Carson Wentz in any capacity, but because he has a different favorite target than Taylor Haneke does. He has if a you different remember. approach to the game. Definitely. And, and Terry McLaurin was completely useless with Carson Wentz under center. And then all of a sudden he became a wide receiver one with Tyler Haneke. So please keep an eye out and monitor that situation going in because it has a big effect on everything else. Uh, Cowboys right tackle Terrence Steele suffered an ACL against the Texans. Ugh. It's tough. He's a good player. This is, that's, that's, my kick, that's my kick to you, Matthew. Tough, uh, tough loss. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's not much to say. It, it, they're going to function quite well without him, but it's a really tough loss to that offensive line for sure. From a fantasy perspective for the last couple of weeks, it's still the Tony Pollard show. DJ Moore, he's getting tests to determine the severity of his ankle injury. Uh, I thought DJ Moore was going to have a good game, but the Panthers just didn't need to pass. They just ran, 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 ran. By the way, I nailed that, C- that Panthers pick. Yeah. I told I told everyone who was listening that the Panthers were going to win that game. Uh, it was a bad matchup. Yeah, yeah, which is wild that you really did hit it. Uh, Tyler Boyd, NFL Network's Tom Pelissero says that Tyler Boyd could miss a week or two. Uh, who's the 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 guy who scored the touchdown in his stead? Trenton Irwin. Trenton Irwin. I got a fun fact. Man, about I really him. am the encyclopedia sometimes. You are. I don't know how I was able to pull that out of my ass so quickly. <laughs> I beats me. But I have some facts about him. I don't know if you know this, but he's from Australia. And he used to be a child yep. actor. Yes. Yeah. Boom. And you Both already know. true. Boom, boom. <laughs> and you know it because I read it in the encyclopedia or a- AKA Matt. Um, all right. And that's it. I think that's all we're do- we got. That's all we got. News. Oof. That was quick. Michael's going to be so proud of us, bro. I can already, I could already see him Prickness. like as quick he's dr- like, like listening on his headphones like, yes, finally. And then he's going to be disappointed by how long I'm spending talking about him saying yes, finally. Uh, That's definitely what's happening right now. (laughs) Uh, um, But, yeah, the first category we got here is I saw that coming from the mile away. Something that we saw coming. We told you to do, man. You should have listened. Oh. I saw that coming from a mile away. Technology failed me there, Matt. But you know what? It ended up happening. It, it, we had a it we worked. had a little spinning wheel when I pressed play there, and it went hut. hut. Uh, it wasn't good. All right, but let's uh, get into our first uh, one. Let's go with you, Matt. So remember, just as a reminder here, Matt, the Dynasty Don comes to us. He's a redraft. Obviously, his redraft prowess is off the charts, but. This guy's main thing, where he shines, where he is the rock, putting the the people's champs belt over his head. I got a lot of res- wrestling references today. Is in Dynasty. So Matt's going to give you a Dynasty perspective, and I am going to give you the redraft perspective. So Matt, give us your first. Saw that coming. I saw that coming from a mile away. Trevor Lawrence. Evan Ingram, Zay Jones, they all got mentioned in last week's podcast. They were all mentioned in one way or another in the Brodo Sleeper article as well. And Trevor Lawrence is somebody that I thought was going to take a monumental leap in his second season that I was not willing to write off for all the generational talents that we saw. And against some tough defenses, and yeah, he's had some inconsistent performances, but against some not-so-tough passing defenses like the Titans, he just 
looks unstoppable when he gets soft matchups and, and as most quarterbacks should, but uh, you know, a lot of quarterbacks falter, you still have to put up the points and, and he did in a big way, uh, 30 of 42 pass attempts, 368 yards, three touchdowns, adding seven yards and a fourth touchdown on the ground. Absorbed no sacks, had no turnovers, led the Jaguars to a must-win victory, which was something else that I was talking about on the previous pod of how they were going to have to pass the ball with the fate of their playoff hopes in their hands, facing the Texans or the Titans rather uh, twice more before the regular season commenced. True matchup rank, T-Law is a top 10 quarterback. He's averaged 25 points per game in every matchup against the bottom 16 true matchup rank in defense. Um, put up 39.42 points against... The Titans supported a wide receiver one in Zay Jones and the tight end one and number two scoring fantasy option of week 14 overall. And Evan Ingram, who we also saw coming, was the the must stream tight end of the week for Brodo. He saw a season high 15 targets, caught 11 for 162, two touchdowns in what was the by far his best game of his five-year career. He finished with 39.2 fantasy points, the number two scoring option. And Zay Jones, eight on 12 targets, 77 yards, a highlight real touchdown that we're going to see plastered on replay segments all throughout the week. All three players were mentioned as should be valued above their ECR, above their um, projections on all platforms, and they all delivered. And from a dynasty perspective, like with all due respect to the successes that they are having, Trevor Lawrence is also operating at an extremely high end and efficient level. He's top six in points per game, top 12 in yards, um, top 12 in sack and interception rate, top 12 in PFF passing grade, rushing yards, rushing TDs, all top 12, all QB one categories. And he's in his second season with his top receiving options as Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, and Zay Jones. Again, for all the success they're having, that is not an all-pro receiving core. Not at all. So my dynasty perspective and takeaway is that imagine what this kid is going to do throughout his career as the franchise continues to surround him with improved talent. And I think we can take away from a narrative perspective, if anything says about their off-season allocation of money towards Christian Kirk, they are more than willing to pay players to come there and surround Trevor Lawrence with the best talent that is available. It's going to be interesting to see how they approach this offseason because they're going to want to surround him. Because I think Trevor Lawrence now, I know I gave him a little crap in the beginning of the season, but the the steps that he's taken is obvious to the eye. Um, he's he looks taken, phenomenal. Yeah, he's taken some huge steps. And he's just, he was inaccurate for a long time, and he's kind of kicked mm -hmm. that habit. I think that's just a – I remember when I was driving a car, for the first time, and it was just like I didn't know how to drive, and I was nervous, and I was nervous. And then one day I got in the car, I put my foot in the, on the and I was it something clicked. It's like okay, I'm in this car and I'm driving, and I feel like that sometimes happens with the quarterbacks. He's like, in the driver's seat. He's in the driver's seat now. You know, what I mean? think that's a great analogy, man. All right, uh, let's get in. Speaking of being in the driver's seat, if you listen to Brodo, you're in the driver's seat because we told you that sometimes when you want to win, you gotta sack up. All right, even and even uh, even the ladies. Lady sacks. You know what I mean? You got to sack up sometimes. And Mike Williams, we told you on this podcast, was a good play that we were comfortable playing Mike Williams. We are not scared to play Mike Williams. He's in a great matchup with a hot quarterback, with a team that is hungry and in a playoff race, and he will be needed. And also, he said he's not coming back to the 100%. He hurt himself the last time he came back too early. And what happens? This is what happens. Mike Williams, 6-4-6 six, six, with brrrump, 
Come on. Give it to me. 116 yards and a receiving touchdown. And I must say, that receiving touchdown that he had in the back of the end zone, gorgeous. His first catch that he had on the sidelines, getting this to- gorgeous. These were gorgeous plays. He looked like he never left any, met any, uh, he never left. He looked like he stayed right here, didn't miss any time. And he gets the Tennessee Titans last next week, who literally cannot stop a pass. Like, if there's an incomplete pass against the Titans, you're like, whoa, did everyone see that? Guys, guys, that was incomplete. Uh, so, the Mike Williams, man, we told you to play him. We told you to sack up. He's the man. And I played in him in a couple of leagues. I was I was a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, oh, I hope he doesn't get Because I played him when he got hurt. And he burned me in, uh, for like zero points, I think it was. Uh, burned me. So, I played him again. And he didn't burn me this time. He made up for it. Uh, so Mike Williams is my first. Saw that coming. Matt, who's your second? Well, my second is Brodo Fantasy sleeper slash streamer quarterback of the week, of course. Jared Goff. Oh, yeah. Jared Goff and the Lions offense are quietly and I mean, maybe not so quietly. People just need to look at a, you know, a stat sheet. But quietly, one of the most potent offensive units in the NFL, bar none, period, end of sentence. Jared Goff continues to sling it at an elite rate with incredible efficiency, incredible production. He threw for 330 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, completed 27 for 39 pass attempts against the Vikings. And the Lions offensive line is just an absolute gorgeous thing to witness. We even got Panay Sewell out here catching passes, bro. Like they are. I don't care what PFF says. Like, if they don't have Detroit ranked as the number one offensive line unit, then they need to watch more Detroit football. That Lions offensive line kept him virtually untouched. Thanks. He had three quarterback hurries, one QB hit, zero sacks. Oof. Like, that's like any quarterback in the NFL, regardless of system, when you have that much time, because these are, you know, the world's best athletes playing football, are going to put up good numbers. And they've just done that against every single defense this year, which allows golf to be you know what we saw when he was being upheld and upright in a Sean McVay offense and they're allowing him to pass it they have DJ Chark looks incredible Amon Ross St. Brown is a you know top 10 positional asset in my opinion I really do think that kid's a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL and golf's on an absolute tear this season with those weapons the Lions are only improving they're only getting healthier as the season goes on we've told you like not to not to discount this guy because of the anchoring bias surrounding his name he is a legit NFL quarterback and now he's inarguably a legit legit QB one for fantasy purposes and the franchise there. Here's a bit of a dynasty perspective and a little dynasty news today, or maybe it was even yesterday, but today the franchise extended a public vote of confidence. Um, Dan Campbell and the GM openly stated that Jared Goff is going to be the starter in 2023. He is not a bridge quarterback. They view him as a franchise piece and the leader of a future offense beyond 2022. Now I'm not saying that they will not draft a quarterback, but very much a, Maybe even Mahomes, Alex Smith, if Alex Smith was putting up career best numbers before the year Mahomes got drafted. I mean, and he low-key was, but not necessarily even the numbers that Jared Goff is putting up. But a similar situation where they didn't need to start Mahomes right away. They could still go out and use that pick on a top, 
you know, 10 quarterback in, in this year's draft and have a playoff team next year because Jared Goff is playing inside of that system with these healthy options at such a high level. And his value on the dynasty market, it's never going to reflect his current production. That anchoring bias is so, so strong from so many QB2 performances and his downfall in LA and the fact that the team essentially just shipped him off for anything. For better or for worse, the dynasty market attempts to mimic how the NFL feels about players as well, right? So his dynasty value is never going to reflect his current production or his career trajectory as a starter past this season. He's a perennial buy candidate, in my opinion. As long as he's the starting quarterback on the depth chart in Detroit and is taking 100% of the snaps, like, and you can get him for an early second or an early second and a third, like that is ridiculous value. Yeah, man. Preach, brother, man. That was that was gospel right there. That was gospel. Um, Goff gospel. That was go- that was gospel. No, <laughs> gospel, gospel. Yeah, no, I like gospel bars. Speaking of gospel, uh, last week I said that for the first time ever in the history of ever, um, we have a situation where there is actually the next Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. It actually happened. Every year was supposed to happen, and it happened, and it happened this week. Tony Pollard in half PPR ended as the running back five. Zeke in half PPR ended as the running back ten. You got two guys on the same squad, both finishing as RB1s. You are happy with either performance, and this is just how it's going to be. Yes, this was Houston, but that just puts an icing on the cake. This is how it's going to be. The Vikings, I mean, the... uh, the Cowboys were not blowing them out. This was not a blowout no. situation. If you are not, if you didn't watch last game, uh, watch the games, and you're like, oh, you know, the Cowboys won, and but it was a close game. Maybe the, the Texans got some garbage time. And no, it was not that. The Texans were in control for most around. of the game. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the Cowboys got in, like, they were trapped, gamed up. I'll tell you that. And they got nervous. But, you know, Dak, 98 yards uh, to end it. Uh, and, you know, good teams Finish that off. So I'm glad they didn't. If, and I'm sorry if there's any noise in the background. Uh, the heat just came on in the background here. So I hope that you are not uh, too annoyed uh, by what's going on. But I know you were annoyed if you were playing against Pollard or Zeke because they both finished as RB1s. So shout out to the Cowboys backfield. The first backfield that's actually Kamara Ingram in the longest time. I think that we got to replace the Kamara Ingram backfield, and this time, you know, in three years, we're going to talk about finally another Pollard-Zeke backfield. I think that's what it might be, you know, when we look at this retrospect. You know what I mean? I might be telling the future right now. Who knows? You guys, you guys, will you go back? Will you go back and listen to this? No, you won't. Neither will I. That would be a surprise. <laughs> Let's talk about more surprises. Surprise, motherfucker. Imagine someone remembers this and then three years later goes back to this exact episode, finds this exact spot. That would be like, be like, yo, thank you, but that's a little scary. Like, don't do that. That's, don't, <laughs> don't do that. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right, Matt, who's your first uh, 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 surprise, surprise? Excuse me. You know what? I'll, I'll stick with the Lions and give you my first surprise, surprise. It, it's Jamison Williams. The Lions first round pick, man. He made his debut in uh, week 13 actually which is kind of the surprise surprise here because he caught his first pass for uh 41 yards in week 14 um against the vikings his first nfl route his first nfl target his first nfl reception led for 41 yards and a touchdown all aboard the hype train choo choo yeah uh <laughs> not so fast man not so fast because he played just two snaps in what was actually his debut in week 13 which a lot of people quietly forget 
um, because he caught a touchdown in week 14. But yeah, he was activated and on the field in week 13, played exclusively on special teams. He clocked just eight offensive snaps that week, saw one target, um, I think two yards, but saw those shares increase to a jokingly whopping 13 snaps and two targets in week 14. That is Jamison Williams' entire two-game sample size. 21 snaps, three targets, one catch, 41 yards and a touchdown. And kind of could have been a saw that coming jokingly, like Themi, shout out Themi at Gridiron Greek. Him and I jokingly predicted almost this exact outcome for Williams that they could manufacture a touchdown for him on the first drive to kind of just show like, hey, look at this shiny asset that we have. Don't forget about how scary we're going to be next year. But then immediately phase him out of the game because he's still a rookie, still getting used to the playbook. Use him as a decoy on special packages, sure, but he only saw one target and recorded no more stats from there on out. And his touchdown catch was obviously an exciting moment, but it was on blown coverage. And, you know, despite the lazy prediction, I was as surprised as any to see him jaunting into the end zone after no defenders decided to cover who was supposedly the fastest guy on the, the field. And to be honest, his usage splits after that factor, a little surprising and a little concerning as well. Like if he's healthy enough to be on the field at all, then what's stopping him from getting the snaps, getting the usage, getting the draft capital that he suggests? I, I mean, I, I do think that there's a multitude of reasons for that. It's DJ Chark is phenomenal. AR, ARSB is phenomenal. DJ Chark is serviceable. Mix the names up there. Um, obviously, DeAndre Swift looking healthy. Jamal Williams leading the league in touchdowns. And then Jamison Williams. It's his second game. There's conditioning, offensive awareness, familiarity with the playbook, concerns of him putting too much strain on a recently surgically repaired knee. I don't think you're going to see much of him moving on. And, and the surprise thing for everybody, I think, is exactly that narrative moving forward because so much is expected from him after that one big play i it was definitely a surprise uh it, just like that surprised me out of nowhere just then uh it was definitely a surprise for um for to see that and they just busted the coverage too like they just let him right. walk into the end zone it was just a exactly. busted coverage so uh yeah definitely a surprise because uh of that and you know what else is a surprise someone who's on the opposite end of that career someone who's already put together a pretty decent career considering his draft capital uh it's mr jerick mckinnon uh this guy went ape uh, one of the reasons why he did was because uh, was because he caught in a ridiculous shovel pass from uh, Pat Mahomes and took it up the sideline. Uh, but he has he finished as the RB one overall. Uh, that's right, RB one overall uh, this week with twenty eight half PPR points. And for over the last two weeks, he's been a serviceable running back. He's been a, a RB an RB two or better. In four of the last six weeks, uh, his snap count is not too impressive because he's not the main running running back. Isaiah Pacheco definitely is the between the tackles runner. Uh, but 47% of the snaps last week, uh, this week against Denver, he had 57% of the snaps. You know, seven receptions on nine targets against Denver. This is a guy, obviously, uh, that Patrick Mahomes trusts. Uh, and he's just getting more and more usage as the year goes on. It's going to be scary to start him going into the future, if you're if you have him on your bench, if you stashed him, if you're like, oh man, now I gotta get these points, because there is a void that he's filling. This is something that the Chiefs need. This is uh, their running game hasn't been the greatest. It's been a kind of revolving door at that position. The, the extended running game off the hands of Patrick Mahomes is probably gonna be something they're gonna be leaning on uh, as the year goes on. And then, you know, you have this performance 
And but at the same time, this is the Chiefs. They're the number one offense in the league, but they spread the ball out. They have so many guys who contribute on in so many different ways that eventually one of these guys is going to disappoint. Uh, so you know, going forward with Jared McKinnon, I think it's a uh, it's I have I have a decision to make personally. I have Jared McKinnon in a few leagues. So I'm going to have to do am I going to start him in the playoffs? We'll see. I started him in one of my leagues. I sat him in another one of my leagues uh this week. So do I go there? I'm sure a bunch of people are in that position right now, especially if you started him last week. You probably won. So uh yeah, Jarek McKinnon, RB1 overall on the week. That's my first surprise surprise. Matt, who's your second surprise surprise? Well, I'm going to give it a little honorable mention and it might have could have even been a little honorable mention though we saw that coming before I get into my second guy but man big cock Brock Purdy the Brodo diamond in the rough of week 14 Mr. Irrelevant uh the hero of the Bay Area he was a machine against the Buccaneers and I mean he only put up 185 yards on 16 to 21 but two touchdowns uber efficient Shanahan system baby another diamond in the rough though that I think I should take a little accountability on is Chuba Hubbard and subsequently Deontay Foreman. First off, I'll hold myself accountable for a previous call. Take the L on Deontay Foreman as a top 10 positional asset that I planted my flag on. I was wrong. Now, Foreman did get the bulk of the work against a defense that allows 17.6 points per game of rushing production to opposing backfields, so I think the process was kind of right, but he only rushed for 74 yards on 21 attempts, and Chuba was by far the much more efficient backs. He also tallied 74 uh, yards, got a touchdown as well, had just 14 carries, and caught all three of his targets for 25 yards, where Foreman had one target, one yard. Um, and he was also second on the team in both receptions and receiving yardage, surprisingly behind LaVisca Cheneau, who led the team, um, the Panthers, in both of those categories. Chuba still only played 32% of the snaps with a 25.9% rushing share and 12.5% target share, but his increased workload and shocking efficiency over the last two games has certainly begun to eat into Foreman's upside as a voluminous, you know, two-down thumper with high-end rushing production. Um, incredibly surprised by Chuba turning in what was a horrendously inefficient rookie season on a per touch basis too. If you look at his peripherals now on a per touch basis, the guy is quietly a very, very efficient running back. And from dynasty perspectives, no, I don't think he's overly worth investing in, but also that cost comes at maybe what is a very late rookie pick. Um, essentially somebody that might be worthless uh, or considered a roster clogger on your, on your squad. So like Chuba obviously has some upside. He's sitting as a top 15 running back in week 14 right now um, in Mon with Monday night football going on. And we'll probably get pushed down by Ramondre Stevenson. Sure. James Connor likely, but still like uh, he had a very serviceable week was almost doubled his point projection on sleeper and ESPN um, almost doubled his ES or ECR on fantasy pros and obviously outperformed Deontay Foreman in every aspect of the game. So very surprised to see Chuba put up those numbers. Shout out to the Canadian kid. Yeah. I mean, that's a surprising thing. I think Chuba Hubbard, I don't think anyone yeah. saw it. Don't get, don't be so hard on yourself. I don't think anyone saw Chuba Hubbard coming. Facts. I will tell you that. Uh, all right. So yeah, so that is no one saw that one coming. This one I'm saying surprise, surprise for me, but I got to give a shout out to Michael here. And Michael called this one, and he wanted to know that he wanted to note that usually he hates this player. He has almost no shares of this player, and he did not let that stop him from recommending this player. And if you listen to Michael, uh, you're happy because the player that he recommended was Jerry Judy. After he was done, kind of like running into people and like 
running into referees and things of that nature. Uh, he caught eight of his nine targets for three touchdowns, 73 yards. Russell Wilson was kind of cooking. I, Jerry Judy was yelling at everyone. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it was just like Jerry Judy was like, throw me the mother freaking ball. I need to catch it. And Russell Wilson was like, all right, you want him? I'm just going to throw it to you. He was like, yeah, try it. Try it. And he fucking tried it and it fucking worked. Um, Jerry Judy is a very good player. Uh, oh man, and I'm just I'm getting a little distracted right now because Ramondre Stevenson just went to the locker room with an injury. That is oh, a bro. big, big loss because, like Matt said, that was my grand slam smash. <laughs> he's in a great spot, and now he's not playing. So definitely, oof, definitely a tough one. Um, basically seals my brother's playoff spot. So he's probably happy about this. Uh. Well, you know, I, that I, I hate Don't it when you get happy. Injuries. Yeah, I, I hate I hate that, but come on, I know. Um, but Ramondre, get get well soon, Ramondre. All right, uh, let's get into the. I have an honorable mention. Did you did you want? Did you have an honorable mention for this one, Matt? Yeah, Brock. I I threw out the big Brock. All right, go ahead. Big Brock. Pretty honorable. Yeah, yeah, that was my honorable mention. I already said it. Okay, great. So I have an honorable <laughs> mention, and it's Chris Moore. Chris Moore went crazy in that Texans offense. But here's the thing about this. It's not just Chris Moore. It's the entire Texans offense. Because if you didn't watch the game, if you you are not familiar with what happened in the game, we had ourselves a quarterback platoon, ladies and gentlemen. Not only was Davis Mills in, and not for nothing, played well when he was in. Not only was Davis Mills in, but Jeff Driscoll, the one, the only Jeff Driscoll came in and was kind of like the uh, the Tim Tebow esque person of the, the offense. The poor man's Taysom Hill. The poor, uh, I love that. That's much better. The poor man's Taysom Hill, right? He was a guy who came in, just kind of did some QB runs, maybe threw it from time to time, but <coughs> basically was a wildcat quarterback um, going out there and running. And it was a different wrinkle in the offense, and they needed it because Damian Pierce went out with an injury. And uh, they almost pulled that off. And Chris Cowboys low-key didn't know how to deal with it either. They were like, no. whoa, wait, wait a second. <laughs> no. Uh, and, you know, it worked for a minute there. It almost worked and almost had the biggest upset that we had in a minute. But, uh, yeah, shocking that they did that. And Chris Moore was the big recipient. Chris Moore had a very good game. Uh, a guy that I was, like, toying with picking up in so many leagues. And I was like, ah, ah fuck it, No. And I'm just so I'm so pissed that I didn't. Um, all right, let's get into our next one. It is a stock up, as it seems. Najee Harris is. I mean, not not Najee Harris. Uh, Kevin Harris. Kevin Harris let's scores go. the South rushing Carolina. touchdown for the uh, Patriots. So something to Game be Cox. One of the of dumbest there. things I've ever tweeted out. And I'm I'm a man of integrity, so I didn't delete it. Was that I thought Kevin Harris could work his way into the Kenneth Walker, um, Brees Hall category of running backs as a before his junior season ever happened. Well, it was that a pretty that was a pretty nice run that just happened. He, the guy's Kevin athletic. Harris is a very good football player. I mean, let's see. Like, look, he might be the next guy up in this. Uh, Damian Harris. He they showed him on the bench. When I saw Harris score, I was like, wait a minute, Damian Harris is not playing. What the hell's going on? Uh, so Kevin Harris, maybe ne- the next guy up in his very run-heavy uh, Patriots offense. Only one way to find out. Um, the next one in this category lineup is stock up. So, Matt, let's get into our stock up. 
Something just came across my desk, John. It is perhaps the best thing I've seen in the last six months. Now, right now, John, the stock trades over the counter at 10 cents a share. And by the way, John, our analysts indicate it could go a heck of a lot higher than that. We are looking at a grand slam home run. All right, Matt, who is your first stock up? First stock up, and I kind of pulled a Tim here and just took an entire category of a position. But yeah, it, it's tell me about it. End. Took you so, so many guys <laughs> off the table. I was like, God damn, this is what it feels like. Rookie tight ends, man. The, the stock is up on the 2022 rookie tight end class. Save for the guy that I'll take another L, whatever. Accountability is important. Save for the guy that I called to be the tight end one of the rookie class and Trey McBride, who is starting now for the Arizona Cardinals and is the only one of the players I'm about to mention who has not put up a tight end one week. We've got Greg Dulcich, Isaiah Likely, Cade Otten, Daniel Bellinger, Jelani Woods. And obviously the guy that I want to highlight the most of this is the recent leader of the 2022 class and everybody's favorite rookie dynasty tight end is Chigozium Okonkwo or the man they call Chig. Virtually every single tight end, a rookie tight end, again, save for Trey McBride, has put up multiple actually top 12 tight end uh, performances this season. The most recent one, Chig. He caught all six of his targets, which was second on the team behind only Robert Woods for 45 yards, one touchdown, fresh off the heels of a five target, four reception for 60 yard games, which was also tight end one performance. He now has two consecutive performances in the top 12. Um, looks to be a legit serviceable pass catcher outside of just a blocking role, which was maybe a little bit of his downside, at least from a collegiate profile perspective. Excuse me. Um, yeah, so two consecutive weeks is a, a very serviceable pass catching option. Obviously, no trail on Burks is going to help that, but he looks to be, even with Burks on the field, one of the more talented pass catchers on that offense, regardless of position. Knowing where the Titans are as well, kind of in a rebuilding slash competing phase because of how bad the AFC South is, but they're trying to rebuild, right? They traded away a top asset in AJ Brown for a younger one in Traylon Burks, who they obviously feel has a lot of upside. They have a new starting tight end that's a rookie that they're now favoring the development of over Burks because Burks has been injured and has dealt with conditioning injuries. And prior to the season commencing, I, I hammered the table for this class. I said, all of these names, all of these names are going to see littered throughout the top 12 point per game finishers for nearly a decade. Like it's, it's the changing of the guard. It's the age of guys like, you know, guys like Travis Kelsey obviously are, are getting up there in age and he can't maintain that top spot, but, but it's not just the, the Travis Kelsey guys. It's the, the low end landscape of, of, you know, I think we said it on the last pod, but like, um, Zach Ertz and Dallas Garter are still top five tight ends in points overall and have missed the last three games. Like, so that's just the type of landscape that you're, you're talking about. It, it, it's very obvious that this tight end class is here to stay and they're here to put up legit fantasy numbers. I hope you're right. I hope you're fucking right. Because uh, <laughs> the tight end position needs some I usually juice. Um, let's get into my first guy. It's J.K. Dobbins. If you held on to J.K. Dobbins and you started him, you are happy. 15 rushes for 120 yards and a touchdown. He did not show any wear and tear, although his knee, Matt sent us a picture, zoomed in on his knee. He, it looks like it has horns. It's insanity. Yeah. What is that? It's like a pregnant girl from Alien. Yes, it does look like that, like a still shot. What is that, though? What is it? Legit uh, dickload of scar tissue. Scar tissue. Hot damn. Yep. But, That's what happens when you have four surgeries in a year. Well, his knees were the devil because they were hot. <laughs> uh, he 
I mean, he got 15 carries, and I think that's the most, the most important thing. He's This is why he's in my stock up and not my surprise surprise, because I feel like this was a surprise. You have to assume that when he got back, it was going to be a 50-50 split between him, him and Gus, and that's what it was. And now with Tyler Huntley out, with Lamar Jackson out, you're looking at a situation where the Ravens are going to have to run the ball a lot. And I think that the opportunity is going to be there for J.K. Dobbins. So he went from someone who was a non-factor in your lineups to all of a sudden someone that probably you can play, especially if you're in a desperate situation in like an RB2 slot or uh, something of that nature or, or, or a flex spot. You just had a guy who got hurt or a guy who, uh, you know, you had T. Higgins and you have to move a receiver from flex and you need a start. J.K. Dobbins could be that guy for you. So I think that uh, J.K. Dobbins... And I love saying his full name always, J.K. Dobbins, not just J, not just K, not just Dobbins, the whole thing. Um, but yeah, I feel like his stock is definitely rising. He's only had one game, so let's not get too, um, you know, worked up about it. Uh, but at the same time, upcoming matchups, you got Cleveland, fantastic matchup. You got Atlanta. Fantastic matchup and Pittsburgh, who we just went for 18 points on. So you have a guy who's going to have great matchups down the stretch and will probably have opportunities. This is a guy who's going to win people some games. Uh, Matt, who's your second stock up? Hop right into it. Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith is just so perennially underrated in my eyes. He secured a higher target share than A.J. Brown in four of their last five games. The only game in which he didn't out-target his teammate being the revenge game against the Titans, where he still managed five receptions on eight targets, which was just one less than A.J. Brown for 102 yards and one touchdown. Since Dallas Goddard was placed on injured reserve, he's seen... It seems as if Smith is obviously the benefactor of that and receiving the majority of targets, but it's a trend that has lasted much longer than that as well. So since October 9th, uh, Smith has had more targets than Brown in six of nine contests, which suggests a much larger sample size of an elite ability to earn opportunities while sitting next to an elite opportunity earner. He saw eight targets against the Giants last week. Once again, led the team, catching five for six, D4 yards, one touchdown, um, bested A.J. Brown in PPR formats, but they tied in half. I can tell that Devontae Smith is going to be someone that I'm going to have to scream for mountaintops for all of this season remaining and all of the offseason as, as well. It's like To me, it's as if people forget or at the very least want to ignore the fact that he's only in his second year. Like C.D. Lamb wasn't putting up at these numbers in his second season. Straight up, he was not. And it was Amari Cooper versus A.J. Brown. And C.D. Lamb can wishes he had a 28% target share in his second season. It's as if people forget that he won a Heisman Trophy, had a stellar rookie year, and is currently maintaining an elite target share while coinciding next to a prototypical six foot three, 225 pound alpha receiver who is also commanding an elite target share. Okay, I'll wrap this up by saying something that I tweeted out earlier. I think the market gap consensus, the the dynasty value market gap between Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle is a lot closer than people are willing to admit. And people are most certainly willing to admit that Jalen Waddle is a top 10 dynasty wide receiver. So read between the lines and let that sink in for how you should be viewing Devontae Smith moving forward. Dallas Goddard's injury, I think, played a key role in this resurgence as well. Uh, without that guy to take up the however many targets would go to Devontae Smith. He's taken those targets to the house and he's taken them and done the most with them. And also, he's a great player, like Matt has been telling you for 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 a long, long time. Um a guy who we don't know much about, but is making a good impression. My second stock up is Bam Knight, Zonovan Knight from the Jets. 
The reason why stock is up is because Michael Carter was back and you did not know really what to make of what who, what I do. Do I take the chance? Do I start Zonovan Knight? And if you did, you were happy. Uh, he got you a very solid production. He had a rushing TD, 14 attempts, 71 rushing yards, two catches for six yards for what it's worth. Uh, definitely not the pass catcher of the backs, but this is what's encouraging. Even though he only paid 47% of the snaps, he got 77.3% of the rushes, 17 rushes to Michael Carter's five. Michael Carter is the pass catching back, but also Carter had a very, very key fumble happen at the end of the game. The Jets were on the way. They were pushing. They were driving to try and tie the game at the end of the game, and Michael Carter fumbled the ball away. So... That is not something that sits well with coaches. On top of that, Zonovan Knight has been playing well, even to the naked eyes. It's like, wow, he turned something into nothing, or he made that run better than it should have been. He does that all the time. Yep. So he's a good player. And so I think that, you know, is Michael Carter a guy who's going to steal his work between the tackles? Probably not. Uh, is his work between the tackles always going to be something that you love having? Maybe not. Although, if you look at his fantasy playoff matchups, we got Detroit, who's a beatable, exploitable defense, although they just bottled up Dalvin Cook. Jacksonville, who's an exploitable defense. And Seattle, who got just got completely destroyed in the running game by the Panthers. So, especially in the last game, a very, very soft schedule for Zonovan Knight coming up. You got to love that in the fantasy playoffs. So, I think his stock is rising. Uh, Matt, who's your last stock up? My last stock up is somebody that I was touting as a bit of a buy low for contending rosters that need a flex producer or even wide receiver wide receiver three producer um, for their final push and a guy that has you know what I thought was some pretty legitimate upside so let's just say his name <laughs> Donovan people Jones man Donovan people Jones stock is undeniably on the rise so before Deshaun returned you know I kind of thought he had a bit of a trending opportunity share he recorded 70 or more receiving yards in five of his last seven games before Deshaun he only had one finish below wide receiver 34 so consistent top you know wide receiver three and surprisingly was leading the browns in snap percentage and route participation in three consecutive contests that led to deshaun watson's first game back an increase in opportunity and production appeared to be on the rise for me at least and then obviously deshaun looked like absolute hot water garbage against houston and i feel like that game was kind of a one game write-off Nobody was serviceable. Obviously, Amari Cooper had the highest target share. Um, you know, the the running game was a mess. E everything was a mess. And we did see noticeable improvements in week 14 against the Bengals, certainly. And that coincided with DPJ pulling a team-high 27.9% target share with a 100% snap share and a 100% route participation. And I know where people are going to work this narrative against me. Amari Cooper got injured during practice. He was limited on the last day of practice, and he was cleared as a game-time decision to play the game. Well, if Amari Cooper was so limited, then why did he play 90% of the offensive snaps, receiving 62 of the, the team's 72, and also saw seven targets? Like, he doesn't Booyah. seem like he was overly limited to me. In fact, he was. that was exactly the same trend in snap and target share that I had just previously mentioned in those three games leading up to Deshaun coming back. His DPJ is legitimately playing more than this guy. And it's, it's yes, target per route run is still in Cooper's favor because Peoples-Jones is running more routes. But when you're looking at his value adjacent tier, this, this is where the big butt comes in for me. Big butts. I cannot lie. <laughs> <laughs> he caught eight of 12 for 114 yards. 
conceded the Browns only receiving touchdown to David Njoku, who low-key, in my opinion, is their wide receiver too. He's never going to get you a massive return on resale value, but look at the players he's cost adjacent to. Chase Claypool, Josh Palmer, Van Jefferson, like that tier of low end wide receiver two. none of them are pulling a target share like DPJ. None of them are going over a hundred yards per game. Like Josh Palmer did it once and then immediately was out target by DeAndre Carter and everybody else in the roster for three consecutive games afterwards. And people's Jones is at the very least has a serviceable floor of like nine points per game. That, that's what he's flexing right now. And, and actually I haven't checked. Obviously that's going to increase after the week 13 matchups. I haven't updated my spreadsheets, but yeah, like he's a serviceable floor play with upside that is not being valued in the same tier of players around him. I, I think he's a good low end wide receiver two play, obviously high end wide receiver three play. Cause that is what his floor already suggests. Um, but certainly more cost efficient and just player efficient, but more cost efficient than the players that are around him. And I, I still think he's a great investment because it doesn't cost you anything. It costs you like a third, a third round pick or a third wheel or a third toe. I mean, these are, I mean, I, depends I, I wouldn't on what give third up a toe for him. A third wheel. I could get, get rid of definitely yeah, like, get rid of a third wheel. Like a, a mid-round third rookie pick in 2023 or, or maybe even 2024 push value out. I'm sure a lot of people that are rebuilding would accept that for DPJ. I think he's a, I think he's a good asset to hold. And as well, Cleveland doesn't have that draft pick next year, right? It belongs to Houston. They're, they might not invest into a wide receiver. David Bell is kind of a flop. It looks like he's stuck for better or worse. And I mean, better for your fantasy roster, stuck in that position as the wide receiver too on that offense. So when we were, when we were young, uh, I don't know what makes this come to mind. Well, this I know what makes it come to mind. But when we were young, we used to have a nickname for people who would be uh, like try and get in there with third wheels, like cock blocks. We used to, so we yeah, used yeah. To, so you used to be like CBs. We used to call them CBs. So we had a we had the we had a yo Revis. We got a Revis out here. We got a Revis. So like <laughs> so like like with one of my okay. friends was trying to like maybe talk to a girl. He'd be like yo 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 get that Revis out of here. Get that Revis out of here. And I and I try and get the Revis out. You know what I mean? By like being nice to him. Like, hey, what's up, man? Let's get a drink. Yeah, it, wor yeah. it worked every time. Good wingman. I'm a good wingman. I've always been. Uh, do you know who's the best wingman? My brother, Johnny. I got to give him a shout out, bro. That guy. I is, believe it. I that guy it. Has, is responsible for like 70% of my action in my life. All right. Let's get into uh, Christian McCaffrey as my, speaking of action, this guy's about to get a ton of action uh, because Debo Samuel is out. And I, and the reason why he's in my stock up is not only because he had a performance that was an RB two on the week, 119 yards, a rushing touchdown, uh, 34 yards receiving on two catches and a receiving touchdown. That's obviously a monster game. But I think that now that Debo was out, you're going to see Christian McCaffrey kind of play a lot of the Debo role. You saw Christian McCaffrey line up outside a lot in the game, this game, in this, in this past game. Uh, I think that that's going to happen even more. Uh, and and we I teased this in the beginning, and I really I want your thoughts on Debo being out and what that means for Brandon Ayuk because I think for Christian McCaffrey, it means big things. I think that maybe George Kittle can come back to being something that matters again. Uh, right now being used in the blocking game, one of the best blocking tight ends in the league. You can't really blame them. Um how do you how do you feel about Brandon Ayuk in this game and in, in this matchup? I mean, in this uh, you know new landscape without Debo Samuel. I mean, I've always felt really good about Brandon Ayuk. I actually think Debo being around though helps him out because one, he can obviously kind of 
shadow off of the main cover corner, which if Debo Debo is playing out wide, he's going to draw that shadow coverage. Uh, I, I like Brandon Ayuk as a talent. He's one of the most elite separators in the NFL. If you don't believe me, check out his reception perception profile. The kid is an absolute phenom. Um, he's a beautiful route runner, but it's not in the same sense of like Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, uh, Justin Jefferson, beautiful route running. It, it's his timing at the attack point and, and his ability to push off at the break point um, when he you know kind of lulls defenders into what is seemingly a simple route tree. That's more of a film analysis breakdown of it, but I don't feel as high on Brandon Ayuk as I think maybe others are boosting him. And that's being as somebody that's very high on the player in general. I think he maintains exactly where he is. And that is mid range wide receiver, 15 point per game wide receiver four, you know, 13 overall um, maintains that is still going to see six, seven targets put up 70 yards has the highest touchdown upside of any receiver on the roster. Yes. George Kittle included. Uh, but, it's not like you remove Debo and you just increase Brandon Ayuk into this incredible alpha. If anything, most trickle down, which what we saw last week is probably going to be a mirror of what we see moving forward. And those trickle down of opportunities are going to be allocated to CMC in that low a depth, uh, average depth of target, low a dot role that Samuel is so, you know, known for a depth. Sounds like it should be something just just yeah i know it, should be it sounded great my coming out of my mouth but my head knew it was wrong <laughs> yeah I mean, it should be like, let's make it something a depth the amount of play uh, the amount the average amount of footsteps a player takes before creating a cut on a route a depth all right uh it, you know what oh man this news i just got that was over the cup this one's in a Wait. depths category because Man, it's looking like Kyler Murray has a serious yeah. knee injury, like you oh, were yeah. talking about. That's uh, not great. Man, not good. Devontae Parker also out. He has a head injury. We also mentioned Ramondre Stevenson. This is this is game is turning into a, the, a nightmare. Uh, with that being said, let's keep the party going with stock down. The worst day on Wall Street since the crash of 1987. The Dow traders are standing there watching in amazement. I don't blame them. We're now down 43%. Almost everything there completely wiped out. And the NASDAQ, everything and more has been completely wiped out. Let's talk about the speed with which we are watching this market deteriorate. Oh, man. Man, Kyler, get well soon. Hoping everything's all right with Kyler Murray. Uh, Matthew Ward, who is your first stock down? My first stock down, and I was kind of talking about him a little bit before, is Josh Palmer. And obviously, dynasty perspective is always what I'm trying to bring here. And Josh Palmer was seeing quite a significant rise in value and becoming a bit of a darling on the dynasty market for some of the target shares he was pulling when the offense wasn't completely healthy. But now that the offense is, he's really just a wide receiver handcuff. And that's even like funny to say because those don't really exist. But Josh Palmer legitimately is one. Every single time, and it's not, you don't need, Keaton Allen out or just Mike Williams out or even just Gerald Everett. Like anytime that two of those three options are out, Josh Palmer pulls a pretty impressive target share. Anytime that two of the three options are healthy, you know, not much. He's wholly capable of putting up weak winning numbers in your lineups, but he's, you know, earned over 33% of the targets once. And that was in a game without all three of the options, then was out targeted by DeAndre Carter and Michael Bandy in games following when all members of the offense were healthy. Palmer's rookie contract also coincides with potential dead cap outs that the team has with both Mike Williams and Keenan Allen contracts. Like Josh Allen would still be under roster with a rookie option and they could have dead cap cuts um, with their two veterans and, and obviously allocate some 
money towards free agency if they wanted to bolster their wide receiver room. But that said, he doesn't earn targets at an elite rate. So I highly doubt that the Chargers are ever going to invest an extended contract into him as the lead option. Mm-hmm. Um, even when he is the top option, it's pretty volatile production that relies more on game script and, and positive scoring touchdown variants, positive touchdown variants to sustain what is really volatile you know, top end production. Um, other than that, I just don't think that Josh Palmer, like, I think people really should feel the same way that they feel about a guy like KJ Osborne as they feel about Josh Palmer, which is obviously not the case because KJ Osborne, Osborne would be like consensus outside of the top 70 wide receivers in dynasty market. Like, I don't think you should feel the same way about Josh Palmer, man. The kid's going to be entering his fourth year next season. We haven't really seen anything through three seasons. We've seen a little bit of flash in the pan, but man, we've seen flashes in the pan from Travis Fulgham. Yeah. That guy's not in the NFL. Like, do you know what I'm trying to say? Flashes in the pan don't mean anything. You need solid peripheral stats and putting up solid peripheral stats next to good players is even more important than just having the peripheral metrics in and of themselves. Guys like Marquise Brown, you know, who who flew under the radar, but had these phenomenal metrics, regardless of what Mark Andrews was doing. Guys like Chris Godwin, regardless of what Mike Evans was doing, right? Like, that's what you need. And, and Josh Palmer just certainly cannot cover that gap. Yeah, I agree, and I think that's one wide receiver that's fading away, and I think another wide receiver that's fading away is Darius Slayton. He looked like he was doing his thing for a while, but now there's just other guys that are kind of taking more targets away from him. Richie James has come alive. He had nine targets last week. Isaiah Hodgins, he had six targets, caught a touchdown last week. Uh, Kenny Galladay, uh, you know, didn't do anything. He's Kenny Galladay. Of course Uh, he didn't. But that being said, Darius Slayton... Less than 10% of the targets on the game, only three targets in the game, and uh, didn't have himself a good game. If you started him, you were extremely disappointed uh, by what uh, Darius Slayton did. Only two catches for 42 yards, so 5.2 fantasy points is not going to cut it. And he was the guy for a long time. Um, he had a couple. He had a few good games for you, including last game where he had six targets for 90 yards. And, you know... You thought back in week 10, week 11, uh, that Darius Slayton was going to be a guy who could start for you. Can he still? Maybe. He has Washington, Minnesota, Indianapolis coming up, so he has a good... What's scaring me is that it's the guys around him getting more targets. That's what's scaring me about uh, Darius Slayton. So I think Darius Slayton's stock is down. Had himself a bad game. Has been okay, but had himself a bad game and got outshined by the other guys. Now, this is in a blowout. And I think that there needs to be something said about that. Things happen in a blowout a little differently. Maybe Richie James doesn't play as many snaps in a blow, if it's not a blowout. Uh, something to monitor. But I think Darius Slayton, although he could, his stock could go shooting back up. As of right now, stock is down. Matt, who's your second stock down? Second stock down is Joe Mixon. Uh yeah, it's getting kind of ugly. He's finished outside of the top 24 running backs in PPR in three of the last four contests. Just one finish inside of the top 10 running backs all season, and that was the game uh, against the Panthers where he scored 55.1 fantasy points in his record-breaking five-touchdown performance, which has also accounted for 28.4% of his entire production of fantasy points this season. Whew, man, I mean, we always – here at Broda, we always talked about – Mixon's inefficiencies, but Zach Taylor just loves to run 80% of his offensive 
opportunities through one running back and that coincides with whoever is the top running back at his depth chart we've seen him do it with samaji p ryan we've seen him do it with mixon it's just whoever the starter is but one of the further things driving mixon stock down is a causality that's really no well i mean it is a fault of his own because he's incredibly inefficient despite a top five opportunity share but watching samaji p ryan consistently finish as a top 10 running back in every single start over the last two seasons that he takes over for mixon is becoming a stark reminder that the dynasty value that we have attached to the Bengals lead running back or the two, two Joe Mixon is tied directly to his role as a three down workhorse, which can only be sustained for so long and the production that he puts up, especially with, so he's an aging dynasty running back. Obviously he could lose top end production at any moment that goes for anybody. As soon as his opportunity share decreases though, he's going to be like a Najee Harris where it doesn't matter the points that he's putting up necessarily. He's going to be valued outside of the top 16 assets. And those are including obviously the rookie running backs that are coming in um, and, and just those pick values, whether it be 2023, 20, 1, 1, 1, 2, 1, 3, whatever, go down the list. Not only will he have to maintain that elite production, like he'll have to maintain every single game RB5 points per game to be valued probably not even as high as RB5, but to be valued as a top 12 positional asset. He'll have to maintain well above that in point per game production, which he's not really known for doing. Obviously, always very low end in that sense as far as his RB finishes and points per game totals. And again, that can ring true for any active 2022 running back that's not producing at a point per game number similar to their consensus value ranking, but it's especially true for Mixon, who has proven to be expendable in both fantasy and and in the Bengals offense. Like when you can put Samaji P. Ryan, who is 27 years old as well, or 26 years old rather, as well, into the same position, feed him the same opportunity share, and see the exact same production. I don't think the Bengals value Mixon as much as his contract would suggest either, and I don't think the dynasty manager should as well. Yeah, bars. You don't have to have... I'm, I'm with the slander of Mr... Uh, Mr. Mr. Mixon. Mr. I'm, Mixon. I'm with the, the slander. Um, one guy that I love, I'm not with the slander of him, but I'm going to have to slander him anyway, is Mark Andrews. Uh, Mark Andrews, two targets for 17 yards. You were feeling good because last year with Hundley, he was fantastic. But guys, Mark Andrews has not put up a double-digit fantasy uh, uh, performance since week six against the Giants, where he put up 22. Since then, 0.4%. 2.7. Now, he does have some good matchups to end the year. Cleveland, Atlanta, Pittsburgh. but And you're not going anywhere else because it's tight end. And now you're looking at an even more desperate and unpredictable QB situation. If Huntley can't clear the concussion protocol, Mark Andrews, stock is down for stock sure. Down. Stock is down. Matt, who's your last one? Yeah, we'll have to end it on a sad note. And it's a similar sad note as I absolutely love this kid, but it's Travis Etienne. And maybe a buy low candidate, sure, I'll, I'll concede to that. But he's posted four consecutive finishes below RB24 with his last three outings coming in at RB84, RB39 and RB44. He was absolutely bottled up by the Titans. He rushed just for 32 yards on 17 attempts, zero targets, and that's the issue. That's that's the glaring, most concerning, massive issue is all of his upside this season has been tied into rushing productions. Um, everybody that loved ETN, all of the analysis that loved ETN, and the biggest cause for concern when you come to analyzing his future trajectory and range of outcomes, 
is his pass catching ability. Absolutely one of the best pass catching seasons and you know where all of the adoration comes from is attached to the fact that he had one of the best pass catching seasons as any running back in college uh, before declaring for the NFL draft, entering the draft with Trevor Lawrence, getting drafted to the same team, like all of it, right? Like it led into being like, wow, this is just click, 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 click. We're going to get Christian McCaffrey. He has 25 receptions on 34 targets, 214 receiving yards, no receiving touchdowns, and has recently started to show a real problem with fumbles, having three fumbles over the last three games. His target share continues to regress. Now he's sitting at a mere 7.4% after that zero target game. He's ranked 28th amongst all running backs in target share this season. And to put that into perspective, James Conner has more targets than ETN. He's missed three games. Derek Henry has more targets than ETN, and he has a career high of 26 receptions for 320 yards, which he didn't realize until this season. So, yeah, it's really not looking great. If all we're getting from Travis Etienne is Nick Chubb, he's not Nick Chubb. Uh, you got to imagine they use him a little differently going into the next season, but he's not being used I hope. the way that you thought he would at all. All right, man, that's it for us. That is the Fantasy Football by Brodo app presented podcast. The Fantasy Football by Brodo podcast that's not I, what you're it on is. a roll you're the you Brodo fantasy football podcast yeah imagine we actually called it that the fantasy football by Brodo app presented the no, no there's too many too much stuff matt where can they find you, you can find me at psych ward ff find me at Brodo ff tim Brodo ff mike for michael Brodo ff j for jason for jason Brodo ff casanova for Cass. and Brodo fantasy and ff by Brodo. uh both you could find on the web the interweb the elon musk owned twitter um, that's where you can find that. And, uh, don't forget to check us out on Thursday, man. This is going to be an important episode for you patrons. Don't forget to check out Michael's episode tomorrow. Um, he is going to raise himself from the depths of Tartarus to come and give you this fantasy advice. Uh, so check that out. And yeah, that is all from us. Uh, thank you for being with us. Yeah, we really appreciate it. We hope you have a wonderful day. We hope all your dreams come true and we hope that, you know, Everything in the world that you could possibly want to eat is in front of you whenever you want it. Matt, what, if you had to pick one meal, I know you probably get this a lot. If you had to pick one meal, you know what? No, one dessert. One dessert okay. that was going to be your final dessert ever. What would it be? Coffee ice cream. Coffee ice cream. I don't even, I don't even like coffee, so I can't really get with that. Do you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say a nice apple crumb cake with a scoop of vanilla ice cream on top. Which you got in your dessert, bro. You got to have that. Yeah, man. You got to have that hot apple crumb cake. You know, that, that steamy apple crumb cake. 